Okay, wonderful. Well, I'm very excited to have this conversation with you, Bruce. Um, I know we've been talking a little bit about this offline, so I'm excited to kind of put it into the show. But first, let's start off and just tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey with leadership and, you know, how cool you are. Sure. So my name is Bruce Croxon. Thanks for having me, by the way. Looking forward to it. Um, I guess the, the easiest way to jump into my bio is that I'm a lifelong entrepreneur. Um, always sort of, you know, went my own way. And I think my inspiration for that came from a first generation uh, father who showed up in this country, Canada, by the way, um, with a grade eight education and, you know, 40 bucks in his pocket mm. and got to work. And I, you know, I had a front row seat, obviously, for what you, what you can accomplish without a ton of formal education. Uh, I found it very in- inspiring. Like a lot of kids, you know, looked up to their, their, their parents and mm. in this case, my dad and, you know, would, would have, uh, what I aspired to do what, what he did. Um, and you know, he provided so much more to, for us than what, you know, his parents provided for him. But, you know, my journey was set from a pretty young age and, you know, long story short, uh, you know, the typical entrepreneurial try and do it on your own, lots of mistakes made, um, lots of time to reflect back on, I should have done this, you know, and I should have done that. And, you know, I found early that you can either, uh, you can either ignore the journey and the lessons mm. and forge ahead. Uh, and, you know, a certain amount of that is, is a good idea. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you're, you, you, something's missing if you're not also looking back and saying, you know, why did I do that when in hindsight I should have done something different and yeah. what did it cost me? And, and that's sort of one layer, you know, of leadership, like continued introspection and, you know, looking back on, on trying to do things better. And then, you know, the second layer, which I know we'll get into a little bit later in the talk is, you know, not only don't repeat the mistake, but why did I make the mistake in the first place? Mm-hmm. And what are the forces that have been um, at work mm-hmm. from, you know, usually from a very young age mm-hmm. that that results in us being the way we are? So... You know, I had a number of projects, uh, found I was able to make a living mm. on my own and, you know, make a living to me is being able to pay rent. You know, you're not living at home, uh, you know, make, put food on the table and maybe go out once in a while. Like mm-hmm. I was able to make a living, you know, off my own ideas, mm-hmm. which was encouraging for me. Definitely. And, you know, one of my, my old partners had a saying, you know, said, look, if you hang around the, it's basketball analogy, but if you hang around the hoop long enough, you'll catch a ball. So, mm-hmm. you know, part of uh, entrepreneurship is just being dedicated to the game um, and keeping your eye open for opportunities. And, and as I said earlier, continuing to learn. And, you know, uh, that led me to an opportunity that, you know, st- sort of started to define the rest of my career, which mm-hmm. is we built you know, myself and three others built one, the first, I would argue, the first online dating mm. uh, platform in the world, Yeah, branded it, and uh, then were able to build it up and learned a lot about organization building and, mm. you know, development and creating culture. We had 600 people at our, at our height and it was a very successful Canadian company, sold it um, and uh, have been sort of an investor uh, and a supporter of small Canadian technology companies growing to medium-sized Canadian mm. 
technology companies and trying to pass on the learning, not only the money, but the learning that I've had along the way to try and have organization scale. And that journey resulted in, you know, a personal interest of mine around, you know, concepts like the importance of having a vision for the company and mm -hmm. surrounding yourself with like-minded people, core values that, uh, that, that when, when ag aggregated together make up a culture in a company and how serious you want to take that or not as a leader. Um, in my experience, it's, it's almost the most important thing. So it's worth the effort you put into developing that. Yeah. And from there, it was like, okay, um, where does... Uh, you know, the ability to have a conversation, the ability to be transparent, the, um, the desire to have a, a productive, safe, open working environment versus another type, you yeah. know, that, yeah. uh, that in my mind wouldn't be as successful, just a personal view. Yeah. And I started to look for that in leaders that I invest in, um, and, you know, as well as putting my own team together, um, that's the kind of uh, environment that I prefer to have. And I, yeah. I found that, you know, unlike a lot of things, for example, trying to do a charity at the same time as doing a for-profit, yeah. some things don't work well together. I, I find that the elements of building a successful culture actually have a direct overlap with how well your business can or can't do. So it's... Um, they, those two things for me go hand in hand. Yeah. So thankfully, I'm not, you know, many conflicts in my life, uh, internally, most of them. But in, in terms of this one, at least I feel like, you know, those two things can work in harmony and we're sort of all rowing the same boat to the same uh, objective. Yeah. I love that you brought um, your childhood into this because one of the things that we've been talking about and we're going to talk about here today is the idea that trauma has in shaping our ways that we are as leaders or that people, you know, build those cultures and how people just do their work, right? And a lot of the trauma is something that we carry through our lived experiences, sometimes from childhood, sometimes not. But um, I'd love to uh, hear more of your thoughts and your journey around how the exploration and understanding and working with trauma has been a part of your personal journey, both as an individual, but also as a leader. And as you've grown your businesses and have created those mm. teams, what impact have you noticed that trauma has had on it? Well, listen, you know, I mean, it starts with the accepted premise that we all come from somewhere, mm -hmm. right? And I come from a school of thought that not, not a ton of fundamental change happens past the age of 11 or so, <laughs> right? So, mm -hmm. you know, the, the age is zero to 11. In my case, I would say zero to 14, 15. Mm. I was a slow mature, you know. <laughs> um, a lot of, a lot of that, that's where you're, you know, you're fundamentally formed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that shows up, I think, most notably uh, for most people in their personal lives. Mm -hmm. um, you know, whether it be, um, you know, the ability or not to attach to others, mm -hmm. you know, intimacy, um, the kind of people you surround yourself with, um, <clears throat> you know, it, I, I think it shows up in a multitude of ways. And, you know, if it's, if it's significant enough, 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm just sort of thinking about this on the fly. I haven't, you know, done a ton of talking about it in the context of others, but for me, let's just personalize it. You know, it, it was significant enough for me, and I think um, it went hand in hand with a with a, a character trait of mine, mm. which is I'm. I'm very curious by nature, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm curious about everybody around me, um, you know, I, I don't think it's a big leap to say, well, you also be curious about yourself, Absolutely. right? And, and you know, introspection has become a big part of my, of how I live. And um, it's what I look for in, in leaders as well, because mm-hmm. I find that uh, today, especially with all the information and disinformation and, the speed at which learning needs to happen, I, I find it increasingly rare that, you know, one person would have all the answers. So yeah. if you pretend that you do or you're not open to other points of view or you don't have that open-minded gene for whatever reason, uh, I think it's not good for business and it's probably not good for your personal life. I mean, you can forge ahead and maybe make it to the finish line with the blinders on, but, you know, I mean... More often than not, I see that the train go off the track. So anyway, I was curious about myself, started with, with my personal life. You know, why, why was it hard for me to, for example, deliver news that somebody didn't want to hear, mm-hmm. led me to stay in intimate relationships longer than I, than I my heart was telling me mm-hmm. that I should be, you yeah. know, for one example, right? Yeah. And then the years ticked on and, you know, I wanted to have a family and, you know, like, you know, what are you doing? Another breakup and, another, you know, mm. what, what, like, what's at the root of it? Um, and, and then, you know, as you learn more about that and, you know, by the way, and you should be mentioned, I'm not like a, a firm believer in the power of sitting with a therapist one-on-one, mm. somebody that, that has spent their life really mm-hmm. seeing, you know, stories like this play out mm-hmm. a thousand times mm-hmm. and, smart people that are, you know, devoting their, their careers to, you know, helping people through things. I mean, why wouldn't you put yourself in the care of somebody like that? Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unless you're afraid of what it might, it might yield, mm-hmm. which, you know, valid fear, but mm-hmm. you know, um, if you're curious and et cetera, maybe it's better to tackle it head on. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, that, I don't think you can do the personal work without, uh, we spent like, let's face it, we spend, as an entrepreneur, I mean, normal person would be spending 60, 70% of their time working. Yep. Entrepreneurs, most of them I know, like 98% of the time, you're yep. either doing it or thinking about it, right? Exactly. So how can the personal work you do not help but overlap into, yeah. you know, what the, the biggest chunk of your, your life is? Yeah. And then you start to look and say, geez, you know, the patterns that, you know, I've, I've exhibited in my personal life, man, it's showing up there too. And it's showing up there too. And it's, it's, and it's impacting my business. And, you know, uh, when I look back on the zigs and zags and if I had have done that differently, well, why? So there's, as I said, off the top, there's two layers. Yeah. If I had done it differently. Okay. But why did I do it that way in the first place? Right. Yeah. Which is the fascinating thing. And then as you start to unpack that, um, I think as, as leaders, um, you know, we have another, another layer of the onion to peel, yeah. right? If you really want to take it to the next level and, and, you know, 
understand why it is that you make the decisions that you do. And, and I think it's, it's really a process of um, bringing the unconscious to the conscious. Yeah. And, you know, usually, uh, unless you're an extremely curious by nature person, it usually takes, you know, either a series of mistakes yeah. or a significant event yeah. sometimes to prompt you to do the work. Well, you know, maybe, maybe we should get out ahead of that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In, in the quest to build better Canadian companies in this yeah. case yeah. with more progressive leadership and better performance and better cultures. Because if people are in a culture where they feel supported and understood and encouraged, and in, in some t- cases encouraged to do the work yeah. to become better leaders, how can that not help? the bottom line, right? So yeah, I, I love that you're making the parallel between uh, private and professional, because oftentimes for entrepreneurs, it end up being one and the same and are an extension of one. And, you know, I always say, you carry your trauma with you wherever you go, right? So it's like, it never leaves, it never leaves. Yeah. So those ways of being that become trauma responses from things that happen to you, whether it have been big or small things, they impact your environment, let's say in your personal life, they impact your home, how it is in your home, the feeling, the impact of friendships. So why would they not impact your teams and the people that you work with? 100%. In professional? 100%. And, and I love the part about, you know, asking yourself, why did I do it? Because I think a lot of people tend to stop there. They, they stop. They see, oh, I've made mistakes and maybe, you know, they beat themselves up for it or maybe they blame somebody else. And, you know, that's the human default. But that introspection to ask, well, why did I keep repeating this thing? Like, how can I break it down? Well, and I think, I think, you know, one of the most common examples that I come across, and I'm guilty of it, is I hung on to this person for too long, mm. for example, mm-hmm. right? But so, so, you know, telling yourself that and then acting uh, quicker next time mm-hmm. are two very different things. Mm-hmm. Because what I've tended to notice is if that's your pattern, it's a tough one to shake, man. Like mm-hmm. it's like, so, you know, back to what you said that, you know, trauma is in your DNA. It's in your, it's in your bones. Mm-hmm. It, 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 so we should probably clarify, like, you know, no amount of work is going to have the trauma leave your body. Yes. Yeah. And I, that's why I'm, a, a, I'm not a big fan of the word trauma healing because it gives this notion that one day you'll be healed and you won't experience How about it. trauma coping? Yeah, I like <laughs> if I like to work with trauma integration. Okay, how good. do you integrate like into your experiences? Yeah. The experiences that happen, and yeah. also sometimes good things have come out of trauma, right? You know, <sighs> a lot of characteristics that we develop have built a better life for us as a way of coping mechanisms. Without right? question, a lot so of values. We don't want to give them up necessarily, no. right? So how do we integrate in such a way where we're? And I think that introspection is really, really key. Mm-hmm. So I really like that you're highlighting that, and I think. You know, in business and work in general, whether you're running your own business or you're working for a company, introspection isn't always valued or provided space for, mm-hmm. right? Because there's just the bottom slows line. Slows you down. <laughs> yeah, it slows you down. Yeah. So what is one way that you think we can bring more introspection into a team, into a culture, into a workspace, no matter, you know, whether it's from the leader or from anybody in there? Yeah, well, I, th- I think that there's no better time to impact the culture and and culture of your team than when they first are being hired, mm. right? So the first advice I guess I would give is inc- include it as part of your hiring criteria. Mm. And there's a number of ways to get at open-mindedness, you know, or mm-hmm. introspection. Mm-hmm. 
you know, we were, an, we were a fast growing, quick hiring online dating company. Mm. And, you know, um, it was a very open-minded online dating site. Like basically anything went. So if you showed up at our place and you were homophobic or, you know, you didn't, you didn't believe in your religion, for example, didn't allow you to believe in premarital sex. Mm-hmm. You know, you wouldn't have been a good fit with us because we were all about premarital. <laughs> well, we weren't all about premarital, but we were a lot it's about a premarital sex. Right? <laughs> so, you know, we, we demanded um, for fit. Mm-hmm. To show up without bias yeah. on how other people chose to live their lives. Yeah. Right? So it was a very open-minded culture. Yeah. So that was fundamentally important to, to us because of the nature of the business we were in. Yeah. I would argue that the, um, the skill of not having all the answers but being open to others' input, especially today, uh, is, is a non-negotiable. Right. And, you know, so on the way in the door, back to your original question, how can we create these type of teams and workplaces? The best place is is to is to is to hire accordingly. Yeah. You know, if you ask me to drop into, you know, the Rogers new business team, you know, with seventeen hundred and thirteen employees and say, hey, you know, let's create an atmosphere of transparency and open mindedness and conversations about what we're not good at. Like, I don't know, man, it's a tough, it's a tough ship to turn. And I, by mm-hmm. the way, I'm not saying that Rogers doesn't have that. I'm just using it as an example of a you know, large, successful Canadian <laughs> yeah. iconic brand. Um, you know, uh, that's a tougher ship to turn than mm-hmm. if you create your own ship. Right. Yeah. So on an, on existing companies, I think, look, I think it, like anything, it starts with leadership, right? Yeah. If, with the premise that you respect your leaders, if you've got your leaders saying, hey, you know, here's, here's what happened last quarter, I take responsibility for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this was, I think I influenced or made this decision, it turned out not to be the right one. Uh, let's, I'll try not to let it happen again. That's, that's, that's powerful. Mm-hmm. What's even more powerful is, God, you know, that's the third time I've done that in my <laughs> career. And, you know, I've been thinking, you know, and the reason I may have done that, uh, I got to say, is like I've been doing a lot of reflecting on why I am the way I am. And I think everybody should know mm-hmm. that I've got, you know, an unconscious bias towards this. It really could use your help and give me a heads up when you see me heading down that direction. Mm-hmm. Like, are you kidding me? You know, like, yeah. like how non-hierarchical value yeah. added and, and I think you mentioned this off the top, like in terms of workplace or maybe it was, you know, we were talking about it before, but it, like if you're a team member of a company like that and you've got that kind of leverage yeah, or, or ability to contribute to the decision making, yeah. you might feel like you might feel a little bit more like coming into work, For right? Sure. Like you're making a difference. You're not just a cog in the machine, yeah. which I think is yeah. the core of like, what am I doing here, man? Yeah. Like I just like I'm putting you know, square peg into round hole, like for, for a person you know, I can't even stand <laughs> for 60 hours for someone I don't respect and yeah. I don't believe in the mission and the culture sucks. Yeah. And you yeah. know, it's not just about money, right? Yeah. No, we know that. Yeah, like there's many, been many, many studies that's yeah. like, you know, and, and I, and I don't think the generations coming up after mine 
are feeling less so that way. I think they're yeah. feeling more yeah. so that way. Yeah. So I like what you're saying is because it shows the humanity of a person. And I think it builds a reciprocal kind of leadership as well, where if you are a team member and you're seeing that model from your leader, it, I think it, it, it wakes up something in you of your own leadership as well, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think a company is more powerful when everybody is able to kind of step into their own leadership, whether it's within the role or within the company. And so I, I really like that piece of just showing up as a full human, right? I remember having a conversation with someone and they were like, oh, my, my, my boss is a jerk. And I'm like, your boss is a complex human being. Like, no, my boss is a jerk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we had this whole conversation mm-hmm. around, mm-hmm. you know, trying to see it from his perspective that they may be acting like a jerk or they may have behaviors that are jerk-like, mm-hmm. <laughs> but they're a complex human being. And for whatever reason, only one way of behaving is coming out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so it's like that introspection. I think if the leader is lacking it, the team members won't have it either mm. because trying to get that team member to see their boss as anything else but the jerk is is the same thing like trying to move a ship that's going you know towards that iceberg no, <laughs> right? exactly so i think once the leader starts demonstrating it the team goes oh wait a second maybe he's not a jerk mm-hmm. <laughs> right he's just a human being like me exactly yeah, yeah. i think that's really important so my my kind of last question that i have for you is you know, I like to talk a lot about uh, workplaces being places where people feel good because I think that's one of the things that keeps people there and engaged. Mm-hmm. You know, if you feel good with the people that you're working with, you feel well, inspired. Why do you want to go somewhere where you're feeling bad? Exactly. You know? So, what role do you? I'll read think? the news if I want to feel bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> the world <laughs> is enough. Yeah. Um, what role do you think, kind of bringing trauma awareness and conversations into this space, is it has in in why environments being places where people feel good because I think you know I, I'm a therapist I come from social service we'll talk about trauma more often but there's a lot of sectors in industry where that word has never been brought up and if it is you know people shy away from it thinking oh I have to take care of people's issues and their problems I don't want to deal with people's emotions yeah. right yeah. so how do we start integrating these conversations into spaces that maybe traditionally would be quite resistant to them with the understanding that we're trying to kind of create an environment where people can feel good it's a big well, question, but... <laughs> well, no, I mean, no, it's a good one. And, and listen, I don't have the magic wand. I mean, as, as I you know, sort of mentioned, one, it, it, would, it, would be, it would start with intentionality. This is the kind of culture that I want to create, right? So the first thing that you have to do is sort of buy into that, the benefit of that. Mm-hmm. Because there's, the alternative is to never deal with it. Like, this is work. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is your leader. This is the hierarchy. This is the way we do things. And you don't devote any time to discussion well how how people feel about it or you know um, the system of of examining past mistakes is not institutionalized mm-hmm. yeah. in in the in the culture right it's not yeah. part of what we do we don't reflect back yeah we either missed the quarter we made the quarter we adjust our forecast and you march on right yeah there's lots of cultures like that and there's yeah there may be some successful on paper companies like that as well but you know, under the surface, like people are churning, people aren't happy. So you know, does it matter fundamentally yeah. to you or the business, right? I think yeah. is the question, the first question. And then, listen, again, as I said, I think it starts with, with leadership and, you know, the acknowledgement that it's okay to acknowledge right? mm-hmm. that you didn't have all the answers mm-hmm. and that, you know, the, the next layer deep is, and I'm working on why I do what I do. Right. Mm-hmm. So it encourages, I think a certain type of behavior and then, uh, you know, done in a, 
you know, not an abrupt way, but over time, I think, it, it, and one way that, that I think it, it can be done, tying in, you know, what I said earlier wasn't the be-all and the end-all, which mm-hmm. is how much money you make. I mean, how you are rewarded in a culture mm-hmm. is important, mm-hmm. right? And how you are, um, you know, how, how you provide for your family, which mm-hmm. is performance management, which is compensation. It's, if you really want to create a, an organization that values this, you start to tie in how people behave, mm. you know, um, in accordance with the core values of the company, mm-hmm. with how people get compensated, and that becomes an important part of a review. And mm-hmm. you know, not just not just hitting your numbers or hitting your goals, but it's how you do it, mm-hmm. right? And and mm-hmm. and you know, you can systematize that, mm-hmm. and through that, create a, a place where you know the sharing of ideas and the challenging of of each other regardless of status or hierarchy becomes part of the norm rather than the exception. Mm -hmm. I love that. In a lot of conversations with other people that I've had, this same thing is being echoed, the the how, focusing on the how. I think that is really important and forgotten. And I love the idea of like reviewing past mistakes. You know, yesterday somebody asked me, well, how do we know how to do this? You know, they were talking about a certain thing in the company. and, And I said, well, I don't have the answer for you, but you can look back into things you've done because you already know how not to do it. Mm-hmm. You've already made mistakes before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but have you actually gone back and looked at, oh, we did it this time and that's why it didn't work so well or that's why the feedback was negative. Right. Right. Rather than trying to innovate a new way. So yeah, I think that's so I think that's table stakes, right? I mm-hmm. mean that's a big step mm-hmm. but but the first step, right? Mm-hmm. Of you know, again, of of looking and saying, let's try not to repeat mistakes. Mm-hmm. Let's let's look by by looking at them, mm-hmm. right? To have a system to do that, I think, mm-hmm. is a big first step. Mm-hmm. Um, the next layer we're talking about is to sort of dive into well, wh- why does it keep happening? Yeah, right. Yeah, is is that worth it? Yeah, you know, and for some it will be, and others it won't. I'm interested in working with the you know that or talking to and investing in the teams where that is worth it. Yeah, because I'm I I found it to pay off actually. Yeah you know, uh, in terms of the bottom line. So that's my bias. Um, not for everybody. Yeah. But hopefully this has been helpful for the few that, you know, you might come across where they're thinking that way. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate you sharing these. And I think that's a great point to kind of wrap it on. on is like the, the why, the reflection and leave it with people to ask themselves that question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are they ready to take that journey? Just think about it. Yeah. Starts with a question. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Bringing the unconscious to the conscious. Yeah. Is it worth it? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, for some people, maybe they'll conclude that it's better buried, you know, but it's <laughs> yeah. got to, it's got to yeah. go somewhere, right? Yeah. That stuff. So it's either going to eat you up or it's going to eat yeah. the people around you. And, you know, in, in many cases, I think it translates directly into the performance of the companies you're trying to lead. A hundred percent. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Bruce. I really appreciate you chatting with me. Thanks for coming by. Yeah, absolutely.